way you treat patients matters in many ways. It can mean the difference between having a successful program or practice and not. More than that, it can affect how your patients recover from sickness or surgery or deal with chronic illness. The culture of a practice depends on all the members, from the front desk to the nurses and even the custodians the patient might pass in the hallway. Everyone plays a role, but the doctor can do a lot to make or break a practice's ability to have a positive culture. This is a Cook Children's Podcast. Welcome to Pediatric Leadership, the new medicine with Dr. Justin Smith, helping physicians become innovators in medicine. Now, here's Dr. Justin Smith. Maria Perez is a pediatric rheumatologist with Cook Children's in Fort Worth, Texas. She has practiced pediatric rheumatology for 23 years and continues to find joy in her career despite the unique challenges of caring for children with chronic illness. Her clinic has been a winner of the Practicing the Promise Award eight of the last nine quarters. This award is based on elements of patient satisfaction that depends upon the impression that the staff has made upon patients and families. Maria, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today. I really appreciate hearing your expertise and then talking about, I know, a subject that's very important to you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So we knew each other a long time ago, back when I was a resident at Texas Children's. So, you know, I just, even back then, I remember thinking, she has some really complicated patients, but they love her a lot. And that really struck me. It kind of stood out even as a trainee who was just trying to keep my head above water. You know, that was something that I noticed. And so, you know, I was, I was really excited when you reached out to want to come on because you suggested a topic that I thought was perfect for you. And so we're going to be talking about practice culture today. And what, the thing that you actually sent me was a sign that you have posted in your clinic. And I don't know if you have it somewhere where you can you read what it says or tell me about it. That way, uh, oh yeah, there you go. That way we can uh, kind of start with that as a starting point. Well, it's it's something that we actually put up a little bit uh, less than a year ago. I saw this and actually put up on rheumatology, you know, the circular journals that we all kind of throw away. And it was um, a rheumatologist practicing over the, I think the last 30 years of his practice. And he actually had a very good relationship with his staff. And so he shared with us in the American College of Rheumatology what they believed were the strengths of patient care, and it was called the culture of yes. And so actually this this document um, we have in all of our rooms and actually in our check-in room because we truly do believe that. And we're here to serve these patients with multiple, multiple needs, and we're not just so specialized, even though we're very specialized, that we take care of one problem. We try to see the patient and their family as one whole person and try to go about delivering that kind of personality in our care. So what it reads is is my adaptation of this is why rheumatology is an award-winning service at Cook Children's Medical Center, and it states our rheumatology staff and nurses are the champions of yes, and the yeses that we deliver are yes, I care, yes, I will get your refills, Yes, I understand how stressed you are. Yes, I will get you the answers. Yes, I will get you worked in. Yes, we will appeal the denial. And yes, we are here for you. And it's a very small thing, but we truly do believe from the front staff who checks in the patient all the way through the last person who walks you out the door, we do believe that we are here to help our patients, and we want to say yes as much as possible. Uh, there's a lot of no going on in healthcare, but we like to believe that we can make things happen to make their lives better. And, and yeah, there's definitely a lot of no, and and 
sometimes it's holding on to policies that are dated or don't really have a sound reason. But also, I didn't actually realize it was in all the patient rooms. That sort of holds you to a whole new level if the parents are able to see that, you know, day in and day out when they're going through the clinic. It's a little bit different than even just telling the staff. You're kind of holding accountability really 360 degrees by doing that, I guess. We really did start out because, you know, I was a department of one for the first three years I was here. And so there was no rheumatology program to begin with. And so when we interviewed anybody who was going to work here, because we started out with a staff nurse and one uh, patient care technician or nursing assistant and said, people come to us when there are no answers. Um, this, you know, that's what we do. And so we want to provide, even if we don't have the answer that they're looking for, we want to provide a place that kind of looks at them in a 360-degree view, and they walk out here like it was worth yet another specialist trip. They become our patients. We love to see them grow up. We love to get to know their families. We still feel that way every day. I really do like my job, and I like the puzzle part of it, but I also like to see putting all the pieces of the puzzle together because right now I do believe that healthcare is so fragmented just because of all the, I guess, the way that we pay for it. The economics are so important that we want them to know we'll answer that phone call the same day you call us. Even if it isn't the definitive answer, we promise you we'll get you there. We also will fight for you. We will appeal the insurance company that denies us the ability to do the MRI or to pay for this medication. Um, if you if you find a way that you're out of insurance or you're out of you know down on your luck, that we won't just drop you. We want to continue to care because it's so important to your child and you. And so, you know, a personal delivery. What we all went into medicine to do. I mean, is really what we strive for. And the people that have joined us because right now we have front desk staff, someone who's in charge of authorizations, et cetera, which has been a godsend. We got that about two years ago. And then someone who helps coordinate patient appointments and scheduling, et cetera. And then, you know, my most important player is my school nurse, my former school nurse, who's used to juggling many different plates. I look specifically at someone who doesn't just say, okay, it's not rheumatological, call someone else that would be interested in reaching through the system to cross-covering to other departments or other providers, et cetera, calling the school nurse if we have to, et cetera, but going that extra mile and taking care of everything about this patient and trying to anticipate needs, you know, that exactly, and, and, and you get that feeling when you interview that person that wants to work with you that, yeah, we're, we're not just a physician's office. We really are part of the team and part of the family, and they take a lot of pride in it, and it shows. It really shows. My patients and their parents are constantly complimenting me about what a wonderful staff I have, and, you know, we wouldn't have it any other way. And I think that the other thing is that, that these people not only like our patient population and doing a good job every day, but they like working with each other, and they all have a similar philosophy and feeling about it, and... You know, we're, we're not the biggest division in, in, in Cook Children's, but, you know, we're up to about 3,600 patient visits of very complicated kids, and we try to make it bite-sized, manageable, and if we don't know the answer, we will try to find it for them. And that's sort of the outreach message that goes all the way through every day. Triage is super important, and telephone calls are the lifeline. We, we consider it as important as coming in to see us, so we, we deliver. And you have to, in order to 
push this culture of yes through. I mean, you have to, from every time that someone call any access point to your clinic, that still has to maintain that culture. You can't be rude when someone calls because then, then that taints their impression of the next clinic visit or that, you know, their next hospitalization. Everything is really across the spectrum. And that's something that we're really, I think, in healthcare needing to realize is that your contact with the healthcare system starts probably from the very first time you see a Facebook post or a web page and all the way up until the sickest kid in the ICU and really every touch point along that spectrum. If it's the highest level at which the patient is accessing your system, is incredibly important to them. So even the kids who've never even seen a specialist for Cook Children's, their impression of Cook Children's is their primary care doctor. And then if you go all the way to the ICU, then everyone along the spectrum has played a role in sort of their impression. I think we have to get over this idea that the only impression that matters is whether the doctor is nice or not, because it starts way back before that. The other thing that we try to encourage as a culture in rheumatology is that sometimes patients and their parents can be very, very mean to the staff. And, you know, sometimes parents, because they're very stressed, they're worried about their children, don't always act the way that we hope they would. And the other thing is that it's very important that if someone is really giving my staff a hard time being absolutely cruel, mean, above and beyond, that they're, you know, at all times professional and courteous, but that that gets back to me and I have a conversation with that family because the anonymity of talking to people on the phone and not talking to them face-to-face, sometimes it results in people saying things that they would never do in person. And so, you know, I, I do have a conversation when I see the patient either or when I by phone and say, you know what, we're all trying here for you. We're all in this together. You can't do that. And most of the time, I haven't gotten fired, okay, as a clinic from doing something like that because it's usually, again, we realize these parents are stressed to the utmost maximum, and these are really very, very hard times for these families, and it doesn't always bring out the best in all of us, and I understand that, and so does the staff, but, you know, I also won't let my staff get bullied or intimidated, et cetera, and I think there's an assumption sometimes you can get away with this stuff on the phone and then you nobody, you know, you don't really have to face those people. But we're only, you know, we're a staff of six, you know, very small. So and I think also like you've got not only like when parents are hard, but then you also have to if you're going to continue this culture, you have to allow the staff the ability at the point of care to say yes to something and not have them think that there'll be repercussions if they accidentally messed your schedule up or they overbooked you one afternoon and, you know, it was an accident, but it was been, or maybe not even an accident, maybe it was intentional, but it was in response to saying yes to the family. But if you set up this culture of like, no, you protect my schedule at all costs, yeah. uh, that can really, really hurt the staff's ability because then they're hesitant, like, oh, well, this patient really needs this, but I can't provide it because I'm worried about what Dr. Perez is going to do. And so I think that it goes to being supportive of your staff really helps them. Serving your staff well helps them serve your patients well. I Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a two-way street. And, you know, it's been like that from the beginning. And, you know, they'll always ask and they do their utmost to protect me. But if they need to know because someone gives them a compelling reason that, you know, I should see them at an off-clinic time, and they'll, they'll make that case and they'll go to bat for that patient. And they have, they have the freedom and ability to do that and feel empowered to do so, too. So working together and liking who you work with, um, I remember a conversation that we had because we have a weekly kind of team huddle that we review every single patient that we saw that week and just make sure that there's no hanging orders that I forgot to write or there's a result that, you know, I haven't seen or something that's missing. We try to make sure that we close we do. Um, Dr. Garola and I, we close our charts the very same day we see them. So there's some sort of a record so that that person that's triaging has an 
has an idea of what we were thinking, but we trained our staff and, you know, are they sick? Are they drinking? Are they dehydrated? You know, is this an emergency room call? And they'll pull me out of a, a, a clinic room. Okay. If that's what needs to happen and they need me, they, they have the ability and the empowerment to do so. But we've kind of gone through those scripts about what you need to let me know about and what can wait. And they're very good. They're very professional. But again, I said, you know, we're not going to get a lot bigger because there's not a lot of new doctor growth that's happening here or even patient care extenders yet. So if you like working with each other and you like working here with Cook, you know, whatever you need or whatever we need to change, let's do it together because a staff that stays together is a good thing for patient care. It's good for the practice. It's good for everybody's psyche and health, you know, all together. Now, a lot of this, I think a lot of your leadership is because you're dynamic, passionate, energetic about sort of establishing this culture. But I mean, I know there's days I I try to do this as well in my clinics, but there's days where I'm just tired and probably not quite there. Do you have a strategy for sort of picking yourself up on those days or, you know, having, you know, to go back and say, man, I messed that up, whether that's to your staff or your patient? How do you how do you handle that when? when your energy is not quite where it needs to be to maintain this? Well, first I kind of pause and take a breath because sometimes you just do need to take a breath. And, you know, I try to correct things immediately. I don't let them fester and I don't, you know, I don't, we're so small that chit chat and, you know, speaking around each other, et cetera. I just can't, I can't tolerate that because we're getting, we're a very small family. I just try to take a deep breath and try to put myself in their position and have them put themselves in my position and, you know, understand there are certain patients, you know, that I pull my hair out and they've seen me, you know, and, and they know that I'm doing everything I possibly can. And they have empathy for that. They have empathy for that patient and they have empathy for me, too. I mean, when there's 16 things coming and I'm just I'm a little bit short and abrupt, I just said, look, I'm doing the best I can. And. They'll know to leave me alone or they'll say, what can I do for you? And vice versa. But it really is about feeling, you know, feeling each other, feeling and how it works, et cetera. And I don't don't know how you develop that other than, you know, try to put yourselves in their position at least through the day and, and realize your point of view might not be the only one. And that's certainly a level, something that we've talked about in previous podcasts in our leadership class, sort of that emotional you know, intelligence of sort of being aware of your own emotions when you're tired and when you're maybe a little bit cranky and being able to either check that or find a different outlet rather than firing off at a patient or staff. You know, I think that's, that's really important. So I really want to thank you for the idea. I think this idea of culture is really important and something that doctors could do better at and not sort of passing that responsibility off to someone else in the staff, but really taking leadership and deciding what their clinic is going to look like and how it's going to flow. And I think next time we come back on, um, we're set to talk about sort of more basic rheumatology um, stuff. And I think that's going to be an interesting conversation as well. But if you have any closing thoughts on sort of culture or or anything else that you want to close us out with, um, I'd, I'd appreciate hearing them. You know, I've been practicing medicine for almost a quarter century. And, you know, we all went into it thinking that we were going to help people. And through administ- you know, administrative things, insurance, the way that we pay for health care, et cetera, you know, I still get up every morning and say, whatever I have to do to make them better, it's still worth it. I, I have not thrown in the towel. I have not gotten um, disillusioned. And I hope that everyone gets to feel like this at this point in their career. And if not, 
talk. Talk it and make your healthcare system work for you because it's still worth it every single day. And you know, sometimes I call myself a trained poodle, but I'm happy to be that poodle if it helps my patient. You know. Well, thank you so much for your time, and I'm looking forward to talking with you next time. You can find more episodes, or if you'd like to suggest a segment, go to checkupnewsroom.com/pediatricleadership. <laughs>